Let's get it. Me, my guys, we really lie. Lord, forgive me, pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. And that's in a console. Keep the semi when I ride. Let off Henny when I drive. In the city, we gon' slide. Bet I be there pronto. Pronto, we in the building. This is the Chop Up. We here on another Monday, episode 60. And we got another big chop for y'all, man. This is our second official big chop. Uh, and it's a big one. It's a big one. Now, uh, to go ahead and get it started, I'm going to let Toya go ahead and introduce her right. You know what I mean? Because I know we got to treat our guests the correct way on the chop up. Uh, so, Toya, let them know who will be oh. taking part in the big chop today. Okay, wait a second. Before we even jump into the big shop, and I hate to do this, I hate to do it. Two things. If you're just joining us, the, the link on Facebook is messed up. Jump on the YouTube, the chop up show on the YouTube, easy peasy, and you'll be connected. Where's Lee? Pretty Jackson asked the question, Where's Lee? Where's Ja? Right, yo, everybody wants to know. Uh, consciously is weary. That boy been working, been grinding, been doing a whole lot of things. So he uh, is. Uh, we assume asleep. We can't get a hold of it right now. My man is resting. This ain't the first time this happened, right? <laughs> so, like, usually, if it's if it's if it's show night, you know what I mean, and George ain't hit the link and he ain't answering the phone, he sleep. He got. We're we gonna we gonna get an early morning phone call. My bad, my bad, man. And Noel, yes, chop for whatever reason. Um, Facebook ain't letting us go live, but glad that you was able to join us on the uh on the on the the YouTube. And if you haven't subscribed already, make sure y'all subscribe to the Top Up Show and at Consciously. We are broadcasting on both for those platforms. Yeah. Also, uh, stay tuned. I got some videos coming to TikTok. If y'all TikTokers, Toya G. Ah, shit. Ah, shit. Toya G HD. T-O-Y-U-H-G-E-E-H-D. Meet me over there real quick. I got something coming for y'all. Um, y'all know I my lane is leadership. You know what I'm saying? And I think more often and more necessary, not even more often than not, but more necessary than ever before, we're at a, a point where we need to really think about and evaluate uh, leadership and what that looks like in our real lives and our relationships and our professional endeavors and the dreams and the goals that we have in our workplaces and our classrooms and our families and our relationships. Are you being a leader in your relationship? Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, but Listen, questions I need answers, I'm going to go ahead and start plugging and see. Y'all meet me over there. Let's talk a little bit about what it means to be leadership. This ain't going to be no stale conversation. We're about to break it down. Toya G H D, and that's on TikTok. And yeah. on the gram, just higher definition LEC. Higher de just like y'all TVs, y'all phones. Higher oh, definition. Shit. Oh, shit. I want y'all to see this. I want y'all to see this. Look at, look at, look at who's calling. Let's, let's talk to him. Let's talk to him. Put him on. Put him on. Speak Hello? Yeah, bro. What's, what's, what's up, man? What's good with you? Bro, we ain't even we went ahead and, and said nah, we ain't even doing it, man. You ain't you wasn't here, so we was like, fuck it, we just gonna cancel. All right. Nah, I'm just playing nigga get in front of the camera, nigga get <laughs> Yeah, nah, nah. I mean listen, we we you are if you feeling it, bro, because we already let because we, we we started, you know what I'm saying? Like everybody listening to you now. Mm hmm You want uh, Hey George. If, if you hey, if George. you if you can join us, bro, feel free. Um, uh, if you need to go ahead and recoup and recover, that's definitely understandable too. What you trying to do? Take that man off speaker phone. <laughs> Take my man off speaker phone. What you say, bro? <laughs> Malik was probably yeah, yeah. Go ahead. I'll let you in the morning, bro. <laughs> he done for. All right. 
right. He wasn't even talking in complete sentences. Period. Yeah. So yeah. yeah so shout, out, shout out to my man, bro. Like we're gonna let my nigga get some rest. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. Back on script. All right. Y'all, yeah. it's the big chop. What's going down? Y'all know it's your girl Toy G. And for this big chop, I want to introduce to some and present to others Mercy Baez. Now, before I turn it over to Mercy, Mercy and, and let her really get into a lot of the, the, the other supplemental information about herself. I want to cover the basics. First and foremost, Mercy is a mom of a seven-year-old daughter. Uh, she is a survivor, advocate, and activist in regards to domestic violence and sexual abuse. Uh, she specifically uses her artistry to express herself and has been doing so in a multiplicity of ways since 2015, specifically with Rebirth of Mercy, Rebirth of a Woman, LLC, which she's going to talk about a little bit more that does various events, uh, has various different platforms, that participates in various different types of activisms, not just in regards to domestic violence, but I was very uh, excited to hear about the work that she's doing, just kind of making sure she's engaged with just the power for the people, just moving our missions forward, but making sure we don't forget about how silent domestic violence uh, survivors have had to be in these conversations. Representing the Bronx, Right. I had to make sure I got my barrel correct. Right. Representing New York, New York, the Bronx, you know, all of those things. Um, and it's just an amazing voice that we wanted to have on here to really shed light um, on a conversation that we haven't been having. So uh, what's up, Mercy? What's good? How you doing tonight? Blessings. It's such an honor. Thank you guys so much. Hi, everybody. <laughs> oh, yeah, we definitely want to thank you for coming. Um, the circumstances might not be uh, ideal. <laughs> in terms of uh, us all being here, but uh, you are filling in, uh, a, uh, or your filling is very welcome. You know what I'm saying? It's refreshing. Uh, we like to have different voices and uh, mindsets and understandings applied. So we thank you for being here, and uh, I'm I'm interested, very interested in in hearing this conversation. Definitely, Dexter. I mean, I'm sorry, not Dexter. I looked down at the chat, uh, but more so, Mercy. Go ahead and jump into put some icing on the cake that I just kind of baked for everybody. Tell us a little bit more about who you are, what you do, um, and how people should understand uh, Rebirth of a Woman. Yeah, uh, so I started with freestyle dancing when I was seven years old, and I mounted up with um, performing, and I went into spoken word, acting, and creative directing for my own projects and for other people's projects. Um, and, and so again, I started at seven and I'm now 25 years old. Um, and uh, I started to take it very seriously um, in 2015 when an unfortunate event happened and that was my first uh, domestic violence case. Um, with that, I was able to feel all of my emotions and all of my rage, all of my insecurities, all of my pain into making the rebirth of a woman um, as I started to perform worldwide and really started to tell my story with words other than just dancing. And um, that's when I started to hear so many other women and men as well was going through mm -hmm. similar, if not the same situation. Um, and so I found it very vital to make different platforms within my movement. So the Rebirth of a Woman has so many um, different platforms and I don't want to confuse anybody. So let's just easily <laughs> go down the line very briefly. Um, right. We have monthly events that looks like empowerment circles, and it's very um, specific to 25 up, 25 people at a time. And so it can look like women empowerment circles, men empowerment circles, and mm -hmm. children. Um, it just looks different every month, depending on the current event of the time period. <clears throat> um, we have a domestic violence social campaign, and that was able to go 
like all throughout um, LA, Atlanta, yeah. um, Miami. Um, and so it's just many different artistic platforms that we have people coming on to. And see, one of the things that I really appreciate, not only just the artistic approach to having and sparing this conversation, but one of the things you've been emphasizing all throughout you telling, you know, it's about the different audiences that have been appreciating your art is that it's for men too. You know, a lot of times, you know, in especially in the social media generation, <clears throat> um, we recycle, um, excuse me, uh, uh, topics. And one of the topics that gets recycled a lot because it happens in different situations, somebody will see a video, somebody will post something, is that men do get hit. They do get so long. There are instances and tendencies where uh, it does, it's genderless, the inability to keep your hands to yourself, right? We talk about even queer intimate violence. Those people who are in relationships that are same sex that have just picked up bad habits, they don't, they don't know a gender. They don't know a sex. They just know people who don't really have a good way of processing feelings, emotions, and frustrations and take them out on the next person, right? So I think it's really dope that, you know what I'm saying, you have been able to, to take your art and have it apply to, to more masculine beings as well. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's been a journey with that. Um, it's not easy for men to speak up on their experiences with abuse and trauma. Um, for the most part, with my experience with men trying to share their stories, it was hard because they they don't know how to express it. Um, they don't know the feedback that's going to be then given to them afterward. Um, they might feel insecure about the response. Um, so it just like, it's, it's been really interesting. It's been hard for them to open up. And when they do open up, it's like, wow, like sometimes they go through a bit more than women at times, depending, you know, and again, it's not a gender though. So I don't, I don't like to classify that. as such. And it's, I, my question, my follow-up for that is like, and it's cool if you don't, but I'm just curious, do you know of any, um, male or, or men identify activists or people who are in that sphere in the in the artistic lane or even in the domestic violence lane that are advocating for these types of conversations do you know of anybody who should be on our radar who's having these conversations that is not a woman yeah absolutely um there's quite a few so let's see the um the the Khalif Browder uh foundation Akeem Browder is his brother um he mm -hmm. has a department group and he's been doing a lot of work with them um, and he supports different things that men may be going through and they don't feel comfortable to speak up on. Um, I would have to look in, but there's quite a few, but they're out here in New York that I know of. Uh, for sure. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it's always hot spots, you know, the need for us to have really kind of coalitions of individuals who are in all different types of states and cities really connecting to make sure we are forward in this issue with serious um, and as real, if y'all not familiar with the story of Khalif Browder, right, it was a story. He had a backpack that he allegedly stole, never stole it, but got sent to Rikers, never saw a courtroom, never saw a trial. For three months. Or, or uh, Well, it was actually longer than three months. It was longer it was, uh, than three months. Like three years. Like, yeah, he was they had him like in jail. You feel me? Yeah, no. In jail, jail. I know County, like up at Rikers, like with, with no mobility, no forward motion in his case. And eventually he took his life. Yeah, uh, uh, he. I mean, he got out now. Uh, a, a lot of people, you know, once his story started circulating, um, he, <clears throat> they, he, they got him out. But the the trauma, the PTSD associated with the circumstances. I mean, what what really got him? Um, what really got him? Brought him into the light, and we're gonna let mercy. We're gonna get mercy opportunity to come back. Mm -hmm. uh, we know how stream yard get it get it get funny. People start. You know, people drop off and don't know I how. Did three times last week, and Lord forbid it happened this week. I'm gonna knock on some wood real quick. Yeah, uh, but uh, 
he got out it, but the 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 trauma of yeah. his experiences led him to taking his own life you feel me i mean how his story came to light was actually uh he uh there was a there was surveillance footage uh yeah. like the the correctional officers allowing other inmates to just beat the shit out of him like jump him like on some gladiator shit mercy you know what i mean and so like that's how you know his, his story really uh started to get a lot of traction um but just that that's just proof on how going through those experiences once you're no longer in that environment that stays with you that trauma stays with you and um he ended up taking his own life so rest in peace to that brother um and everybody carrying on his name uh we appreciate y'all to to make sure that you know black people don't have to keep going through shit like that so right on right on um some facts about the whole case is coming out in the comments and i don't was he a minor i don't think he was a minor i think that's maybe he was like 17 he wasn't very old at all this is not this is a case of uh somebody who was an upper adolescent uh somebody very much young but might have been maybe so nico i'm not i'm not overwhelmingly accurate on that but uh definitely check out khalif broader and like his brother's name is what akeem broader Akeem Broder, who is, you know, really just spurring conversations about men and the vulnerabilities they're forced to have to deal with. Now, one of the things I meant to do at the top of this conversation was provide a more intentional trigger warning. I did not do that. And I apologize because uh, we don't know who has experiences with domestic violence, who has who is living through it and experiencing it right now, might be listening to us with headphones in or something like that. So definitely sensitive to that. I don't think the conversation will become overly graphic, but if it does in nature, definitely, you know, dip out. Um, and we'll try to, you know, make sure we frame that before we say whatever we might say, but, uh, definitely want to be mindful of people who have any types of proximity to domestic violence. That could be, uh, you know, children who have been in domestically violent situations, spouses, all of that. Um, want to be sensitive and respectful to those things. Uh, one of the things that really uh mercy had me interested in talking to you is uh you know one of our favorite words of the day flavors of the day if you will of our times is a uh, normalization right normalization and i mean it's an academic term and it speaks to the way things start to be uh solidified calcified calcified that's one of my other academic terms right really ingrained deeply in what we do how we think and how we move and so um, when I think about domestic violence and I think about the culture, you know what I'm saying? The culture meaning black folks, brown folks, you know what I'm saying? Us, you know, people who have similar experiences. I, I feel like just like everywhere else, it becomes a backdrop. But also, too, I just think it's, it's normalized in weird ways in our cultures that we don't think about. I'll give you a couple of examples. Most recently, Fabulous. Right. We know uh, probably a year or two, two or three years ago, maybe knocked out Emily B's teeth uh, was a very unfortunate situation, uh, was was highly detailed and talked about it across social media. So you got the embarrassment of experiencing that. And then he was threatening her, her family, talking about I'm going to kill you, this, that and the other. A lot of hectic things. But then we saw a post at the top of the year for 2021 that a lot of people called out were fabulous, is, you know, really praising her for her loyalty talking about how she stuck around and stayed around the real ones and it's, it's a lot of men in the comments loyalty recognized loyalty you know what it is whatever whatever but this is a hugely celebratory post of you know her sticking around and being around through everything then we have more classic examples right baby boy right think about it we laugh about jody oh jody and we have we know all the lines and we know all the words and we, but we never really i feel like as a as a and that was a coming of age not coming of age movie but you know that's my adolescence too I don't really feel like we ever had or just like a Jody was a, an abuser and it's a lot of Jody's. You know what I'm saying? I never really felt like we had that moment. We talked about it a lot, but it was, it was about everything but that. What's love got to do with it? 
I vividly remember being in middle school and high school quoting that movie and acting out stuff. And you Eat know, the cake anytime somebody gets some cake. Eat the cake. You know, and, and then the last example that I come to is you know the casual nature by the way we talk about it t-pain a couple months a, a couple years ago actually i think it was 2018 had made a whole post celebrating his wife it was like i love you you amazing sun the moon the stars this that and the other and then randomly toward the bottom of the post he was like and if you ever leave me i'll kill you with the deadliest weapon i could possibly find and <laughs> it was like so bizarre. It was bizarre. And I was like, Mr. Bayou Dream. Like, why though? Well, I mean, and as now as somebody who as somebody who makes like offhanded humor, yeah. You know I mean, I, I do think it's certain things that um I mean, like let me let me not sit here and uh and not act like when it comes to like being a man and that you know that 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 type of culture, it I haven't engaged in it, right? Actually, it's funny that it's funny that y'all bring it up because my wife is talking about you know how people go through people's tweets nowadays. And way, way, way back, way, way, way back. Um, I made a I made a joke. I ain't I'm not gonna repeat it, but I made a a, a joke uh like kind of alluding to not showing bruises, you know what I'm saying? Like it was it was some it wasn't funny at all, but you know, like a nigga saying stupid shit. Um and it's it it getting older and then realizing the severity of it realize like you said the way that the way this shit is normalized is one of them things where you look back and it's like nah that was stupid like it ain't there's no really you know what i'm saying somebody my age shouldn't be making jokes like that you know what i mean like back when i was even i mean i say even even in my 20s i shouldn't have been making jokes like that but somebody at my age should know better you know what i mean so somebody t-pain age should know better like it's, yeah. it's a question of i mean being responsible but what happens is People don't pay attention to how every day people lose their lives because of shit like this. And because it's it's okay, we know it happens, but it's one of them societal sweep under the rug joints that it's like it, get, it gets romanticized. Like baby boy romanticized that shit. Like that, and that was what was like really weird and awkward about that scene, because it was like they had sex afterwards. Absolutely. It's like really <laughs> like, like that's how that type of relationship like transpired but it's like come on bro like that uh like like seeing that back then was still something that is just it those two things just don't seem like they go together and and we see that kind of continuing uh in in the type of jokes that t-pain make and and, and the way people treat the issue so go ahead marcia yeah. i kind of want to add on to that um because it made me think about even like during this time right it's such a detriment to time like anywhere around the nation and so everybody is responding if you pay attention when they infiltrated the capital on the six most of black and brown communities of people was having like a comedic relief moment right um so i think we kind of tend to and it's just natural it's like this is so crazy like let's just laugh at it and honestly a lot of us laugh to cope like i even laugh to cope right um and, and then i also think it's like what you're exposed to right your environment your neighborhoods the type of people that you go to school with that you grow up with your household might be whole in its sense of raising you a certain way with a certain mentality but your environment and your neighborhood that you're a part of is probably the lack of you know so mm -hmm. then the ignorance comes along and stuff like that and and a lot of people even then 
they misconstrue like meanings of words, like even like ignorance. Ignorance is just not knowing, but people really just take like, oh, you ignorant, you dumb, you stupid. And it's just like, it's not really, it's just, you just don't know, you know? Exactly. It just, I think it, it, it really like depends on knowing that you have a choice, right? At a certain age, like you guys mentioned, it's a really vital thing. You have a choice at a certain moment in life to make the right choice. But if you're not exposed to the extent of what that right choice might be, Mm-hmm. kind of hard to, you know, make the right choice. <laughs> for sure, for sure. Like, okay, so when we talk about right choices and we talk about really being in a position to decide, to be informed and to push through some of the jokey nature that we have about it, um, how, in your experience, just kind of being an active, ab- I say activist because I know that you're out there, um, you know, shoulder to shoulder with people who are experiencing these things, pushing, calling for reforms, calling for changes. We're going to talk about some of the legal sides of these things in a minute. But the advocate part is really using your art to forward uh, these discussions as well. How, what are some of the strategies or techniques that you've seen to be successful that really allow people to take it a little bit more serious? Like instead of being so flippant about the conversation about domestic violence and sexual assault. So you mean just to have the conversation itself? Yeah, like how do you how do you start the conversation with people? Like, what are techniques and, and tactics? Because it is a heavy discussion, and so a lot of people want to evade it. A lot of people want to be like, "Well, I'm happy I don't do that," or "I'm happy I've never experienced it." But how do how have you kept the conversation going? Like, what does that process look like for you? So it's interesting, right? Um, the rebirth of a woman was able to go into Rikers Island for three years, and with um, that, I was able to speak with the adolescents and the young adults, and they were going through a lot of domestic violence um, situations. Even some was doing time for self-defense in Rikers, in Rikers Island at Rosewood. Yeah. Um, and so it was really interesting uh, because you know they're in a certain kind of environment, right? While being in Rikers, their mind is fixated to not even want to have the conversation. They're very like they have to be tough, and if they tell their story, they get to a very emotional point for like ninety percent of the persons that I would have the conversation with. So mm-hmm. what I would do is I would mix um, movement within it. I'll mix meditation and yoga for some, and some who are just extra, extra like no, like fuck all of that. <laughs> it's like okay, so I'll break it down, and I really just try to adjust because everybody is different. So that's why mm-hmm. I think there's one way of healing. No, it's like everybody is different. So everybody has a certain way of even like receiving that type of information. And then also understand that not everybody is your audience. So don't feel bad if you can't help somebody who is going through something or if they don't feel like having that conversation. That's okay too, because maybe just what you said alone can help them think on their own time because sometimes people just do better by themselves. Exactly. A lot of times it's about nuggets too, especially when it is, a conversation about somebody in a situation. You know what I'm saying? Like when you, and I mean, I've just experienced this in talking to people about a diversity of issues. Sometimes when you know a lot and somebody's in a situation that you know a lot about and that you can help pull them out of, you can't really dump the whole world on them and, you know, talk about yeah. it. I'm going to just leave you with a nugget, something to sit sit on, something to chew on, something, something that might, and then kind of put the invitation out there for them to come to you and you to lead them to some resources. Uh, for New York people real quick, what do you think, um, drop a resource or two that you think individuals who are finding themselves in proximity to domestic violence should be tapping into in the New York area? You know, it's really hard. There's not, there's not enough support. There's not enough things within systems. Um, 
that's the fight out here. <laughs> so, so let's go ahead and transition to the second part of the conversation then, which is we talked about kind of the normalization of domestic violence in our culture, in the culture. We laugh about it. We flippantly kind of deal with it. We don't center it in our discourse. I want to shout out Eve real quick. Um, Love is blind. Um, if y'all haven't, if y'all, if y'all younger than me, you probably ain't heard Love is blind. I love that song. It, it's, it's an amazing. I don't even know you and I. I hate you. See, I know that my girlfriend used to date. Like, listen, I want y'all to go listen to Eve Love Is Blind. It really puts you in the mood to go and, and link up with people who are fighting this fight and be like, "Yep, yeah, I'm ready to burn some shit down." Can't keep they yeah. themselves. Whoever can't control themselves, I'm ready to get down because it was such a poignant conversation. And I think about it a lot because it's the only song I can think of that took the issue of domestic violence and really stared it down and took it um, head on. So shout out to Eve for that. But transitioning into what you were saying about the lack of resources and the nothingness that's there, I think a focal point of this conversation was not to just be like, hey, domestic violence, here are a bunch of resources. But to talk with somebody who was out there using avenues like art to, to create a lane of connection and community and coalition with people because there's not resources out there because it's not direct pipelines to help into to stuff like that. So that's really what this conversation about is about is is not the pretty shiny. This is how you fix it. Deal with it. Here's the number you can call. Right. This is uh, somebody out there grinding on, in the mix of advocacy and activism with domestic violence and, and sexual assault. That's saying that it's not a lot in one of the biggest, the, the most populated city city in in the country. Right, which is New York. So tell us a little bit more about the normalization of domestic violence in the law and in systems and institutions. Because you were you were talking a lot about that before we talked. <laughs> okay. Um, so you know, backtracking as I was in Rikers for three years with the movement, I didn't do time. I was a visitor. Let's let's clear that up. Because sometimes yeah. when I say that, people's like, "Oh, you so you no no no." I oh went, I <laughs> no, 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 I helped the women there and then I went home. <laughs> um, even in Rikers, like I said, you see so many women, because um, I was working with women, so I don't know the percentage with men, but so many women doing time uh, for self-defense with domestic violence. Um, I even recently had to help a fellow comrade um, get out of jail for self-defense as well of mm -hmm. domestic violence from a stranger who was a homeless um, man. And then even for myself, and I don't mind sharing, I'm a very open person. Um, I recently had to get a restraining order this um, last summer. Mm -hmm. And um, with that, like I was sharing with you, it was really interesting because, you know, um, every time I have to make a police report, because I have the order of protection, I have to make a police report when he violates it, and I get a brand new set of officers who have no idea to what's going on with my case. So mm -hmm. the repetition of telling your case is so triggering, and you don't have the proper like people there. They don't tell you anything about therapy. They just send you to a hotline or send you a long list of, of therapists who may or may not be available. Because of COVID, there's so many people who aren't taking new customers. And so you're just sitting there like, and, it's, and I can only imagine because because every time you tell it, it's trying to get somebody to buy it. Like, let me let me really tell. Maybe you're the person who's gonna escalate it down the path it needs to go. So I gotta make sure I you know unpack everything for you really really good because this right. is this could be my chance. Right, right. And Terrible. then even with making the police report, right? Um, this was my first time going through with um, making a making a report and pressing charges. 
Um, and that's also something within statistics of going through abuse that a lot of people don't pursue the charges um, against the perpetrator for many different reasons. And so I fell victim to that for many years um, because I went through domestic violence and sexual abuse for years. And then unfortunately what happened this past summer was from someone who I never expected. So that's something that's interesting too. Like that taught me there's always um, a piece of someone that you don't know. They only mm-hmm. expose what they want um, to expose to you. So you can like grow with this person, love this person, everything. And there's always something that you don't know about them. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm not saying that to be negative, but it's just to you know keep in mind because yeah, people change. <laughs> people change. Um, and so you know, again, like even without having that support, they were more um more concerned with. If you ever filled out a police report, they ask all these questions, and one of them is, do they have access to weapons? They're more concerned about those questions, just yeah. like, oh, I, I arrested them because they have weapons type of thing, or they're ready to charge into someone's home and say, oh, my God, do you have weapons? Which they, is wild, because these is weapons. Like, Some people want to get these registered. It's well, people it's- on the earth. They got to go get these signed up to say, I could do damage. Definitely. But look, but that's but what's happening and what she describing is the apparatus of policing and and its focus, right? Like yeah. it's, it's because in in a lot of these instances, you don't like like what you pointing out to you. You don't need like I don't need a gun. I don't need you. Know what I'm saying a knife. I don't I don't need an arsenal. You know what I mean in order to do to do damage to another individual, specifically uh of uh, uh someone that I'm in close proximity with or someone. I've had a relationship with or somebody who, you know, trust me, those types of things. Right. Like so that so the idea of being focused on this question of weapons and, and these other issues is more so like, all right, do we got to do we just got a reason to throw a nigga in jail like beforehand? Because in a lot of these instances, uh, you know, on top of how it, it's, it's disjointed, it's disconnected. Like even when my wife just had our baby in the hospital. I felt a certain type of way over the fact that we had four or five nurses over the course of like the the uh, the two days that we was in there. Like there was no continuity. That's how I felt about nurses. <laughs> Imagine if you this is somebody who are you are someone who uh, is dealing with somebody who like a, another individual who's threatening your life. Mm-hmm. And there's no institutional relationship or understanding there. You just another file. You don't get any specific training with that like police unions themselves and then like that whole nurse thing that you described like that's that's right congratulations by the way oh thank you thank you thank you yeah <laughs> but yeah, like that's that. really interesting because that goes into a whole nother conversation of how black women black and brown women are you know affected in the hospital, yeah. with pregnancies as men are targeted and affected with police brutality um <laughs> i just when I when I listen to what both of y'all are saying, I think about the low hanging fruit. You know what I'm saying? Like how the law is literally developed to get the low hanging fruit. They don't want to get the more complicated, more difficult people that have become professionals at hiding their abusive tendencies. For example, if I want to beat the shit out of somebody, but still keep my livelihood and still, I'm gonna work a little bit harder to not make it easy for you to pull up on my shit and kind of you know talk, pull me out of my house and say I did something. You want somebody who's carrying guns and selling drugs and down with it and got a record like. It, it's not as neat as that. And that's where it leaves people like, you know, the mercies of the world and a whole lot of other individuals just kind of left. Because if my partner or the, my ex-partner, my abuser only beats the shit out of me, but they 
don't speed and they go to work and they do this and that. Like you just telling me that, that that's good enough. And what? What? And, and that's like, you know, you got to ask the question. Do these do these uh, police apparatuses, these institutions, are they there to protect? Or are they just there to lock niggas up? And protect. We know that, but, right? <laughs> yeah, but, but yeah, but that's but that's the problem, right? Like you mm -hmm. have what you have. We have in society what's called vulnerable populations. Vulnerable populations. These are these are groups of people who are susceptible to uh, other groups that may have more physical strength, right? More uh, access to resources, right? Like think like where you have an advantage to where exactly. you can take like take advantage of somebody, right? And when it comes to the question of domestic uh, domestic violence, we're dealing with a uh, uh, a a population of vulnerable people who look to like the protecting order motherfuckers, the protecting serve motherfuckers, and be like, "Hey, y'all said call the police. I'm calling the police." And it seemed to be more it, 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 like I'm getting more flack from the the people that's supposed to help me. Yeah, you know I mean, than anything else. And so like that, that, that undermines. That that level of trust that people have in institutions. I mean, as black people, we already know, like fuck. I mean, but when you already put in a position to where I, I don't have any other choice, you know what I mean? And th and that's what you got to deal with. It is a very. I mean, I, I I can only imagine how uh how helpless somebody will feel in those circumstances. Mm -hmm. That's how so I felt this summer when that whole incident happened. I literally like because it happened courtyard and then my security guards were there and I was like going off on them like you're not doing nothing it was like you want me to call the cops and I was like no because I'm a frontline protester like I can't call the cops <laughs> and then so that they know you happened. But <laughs> like, oh, oh yeah you now you want to use this you was just out there saying fuck the police but now you want to call us okay <laughs> all right I see I did. but okay so mercy the courtyard situation you can't call the police because you're a front Y'all are a front yard, a front line um, protester. She in the trenches. The security on site at the place that you stay at is not helpful at all. So then how, I don't want to be nosy, but like how do we- They are responsible for only calling the police. And that's the bullshit that they say. But I've had security training before. I'm like, what security training you had, sir? Like him and I was going at it. But I'm yeah. sorry, the question. <laughs> well, no, I'm just so, because how have you been navigating it outside of that? Like, I know, you know, you're just like the frustrations of having to negotiate. Because you said the person who is your abuser is not very far in proximity from you at all. Right. right. So I know that it's probably changed your day-to-day -day routines, a lot of how you navigate things. I guess... I don't really have a question. I just I'm I'm astonished. We've just been really peeling up peeling back the layers of how you in the face, um, and this is one last thing I want to get to, but you in the face of doing all these different actions have had to deal with some things. One thing I want to ask about is since you were talking about being a frontline protester, is when we talked before, you talked about trying to ease conversations about domestic violence into maybe what seemed like separate conversations about black lives and about how we deal with them and deal with issues. And sometimes you kind of dealt with a little bit of a, a static there. Can you ex describe or explain what that, what that means it looks like? So you're asking how did I bring in the conversation of domestic violence smoothly in the space? Well, no, I felt like we was talking about, you know, activism and you participate in different things. Oh, yeah. And then you trying to be like, but also domestic violence. We'd be like, <laughs> 
man, get that shit out of here. We ain't trying to talk about that. Like, talk about that phenomenon because I think that's the issue is that a lot of times we can walk and chew gum at the same time. That yeah. we are complex individuals who can handle larger conversations, but people want to be so narrow about it. So tell me about that. So I'm going to dive into um, a little bit of a scenario of what happened last year. Um, that, that whole time frame of us protesting over the summer. So there were some people who were um, accusing others of being abusers. And they was using that word very lightly um, and forming different groups to support um, victims of abuse. Um, and so it made it hard. And I'm only using this specifically because one, I don't care, I'm very blunt. And then two, because I just think that it's a perfect example of how it shows like how harmful it is to us as people and how we're supposed to stay together and actually drives us apart. Um, mm -hmm. So they formed a whole group to then, you know, put me into like groups of lies and saying like, oh, she did this, she did that. And I'm just like, and this was a part of the person that I had to get the restraining order from to get some COINTELPRO shit to kind of like split us up. And it uh -huh. worked. Unfortunately, if you pay attention, if things like that still work to easily split people up, that's not okay either. Exactly. You know? Like as we pay attention to history, we have to pay attention to its effects and how it's still like, prevalent today and it's still working. That's weird, right? It shouldn't be working. It's There is a gap with that. Um, and so, so that worked, the COINTELPRO shit, and then we stopped being together in the group. Um, and then it was just like easily like just started labeling everyone like that's an abuser and that's an abuser and they abuse this. And it's just like, you're making it hard for real people who are going through things now because now you're labeling everyone and no one knows who to believe who. And hmm. it's just causing more destruction. So what are we really doing here? <laughs> are we really advocating for people or are we really just trying to stir up some issues and so I pay attention to that and how easily influence some of us are at times to other persons because we like want to stick together so much that was the cool. whole goal while we were out there and it easily just drifted apart and I'm just like wow like today protesters out there today and um out here in uh New York City is not the same group of protesters that it was last year in the summertime. Like everyone literally shifted positions or some just left and they're just tired of the protesting. They use the platform for the wrong things, you know? Um, yeah. I don't want to get too deep into that and then, because it might be some offensive to certain groups of people. So I sure. love that and I respect all, like, all the Yeah, people. we don't be worried about offending nobody, but, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know what I'm saying? I definitely uh, appreciate your political correctness um but what's what what's interesting about what you're saying though is it speaks to how especially in the era of me too um it there is a an attempt to delegitimize uh the whole believe the victim movement yeah you know I mean? like it like people people are actively like but see, what about this? You know, you know how people look for like this. They make up a whole scenario. I forget what fallacy that is, but where they make up an entire scenario just to prove a situation wrong. Well, like in this situation, she lied. So that means that when they they make these claims, they are lying, right? No, right? Like, okay, there are instances, and especially as black men, we know. <laughs> you feel me? For sure, yeah. Niggas like, are the last people that you need to tell. People are like people lie about uh, these these types of accusations, but I think the, the part that's missed on that is it's more shit that goes unreported than it is lying about it. Right, you know what I'm saying? And when you have like certain groups, uh, and 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 we'll, we'll stick to the political correctness of 
well, who these groups are that we talking about. You know what I mean? When they when they weaponize the language of uh you know calling out abusers for like little minor, you know what I'm saying, like social shit to build that like that that political capital, it yeah. desensitizes the entire conversation. Because now so now you got people that are that are the type yeah. to be like, nah, we believe we believe the victim. What the fuck are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? Like, what the fuck are you doing? And that that creates those schisms because it's like I don't like I don't trust you. I don't like how you weaponize language. Like the boy who called wolf, or the uh, yeah the boy who cried wolf type shit. Mm-hmm. Like it's just like every oh it abuser abuser. Okay, like how were they an abuser? Oh well, they just didn't respect. See, <laughs> yeah, like you very flippantly throwing around this term abuser, but yeah, I mean it's 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 a sticky situation and it's always sticky because. You don't want to be nobody wants to be the the judge, the jury, the the executioner, if you will. Um, and then people have this idea that having conversations about uh, things like domestic violence and like sexual assault will derail the mission. Right. And so it's, it's hard work. Right. I think one of the death meals of a lot of movements have been a but what about the abusers or whatever, because it has forced that movement to stop. And make some decisions and be at a crossroads about how serious you're going to take people who very likely could have been victimized and how much of the original movement you want to, you know, fracture and leave behind. We talk about the Black Panthers all the time and then people say, but oh, don't forget, there were some abusers, there were some people who did And those things are very true. But to use that as a cornerstone or a centerpiece or the epicenter of uh completely devaluing all the work that the Panthers did is also not the goal, also not the purpose. Also, so it's a tight, as I say all this to say, it's a tight line, right? It's definitely very much a tight, tight line, a tight line. A thorough beauty said, um, using less than 1% of the sexual assault reports to dispute all is being true. We also need to stop looking to the policing system as a form of punishment. And so that's, that's definitely, can I say something about that? That's actually interesting. I think I have this uh, thought that we all have the ability and the capability of like literally becoming an abuser at one point in time. Like we all, and and that's hard to swallow for some. And it's not to say you're an abuser. It's just saying we have the characteristics, you know? Um, and so I think that's important because a lot of times when I was in Rikers, I started to think, well, what what system is created to help the abusers? Mm-hmm. They're people. Right. It's hard to say that because I hate all of my abusers, but they're still people. At some point in time, I loved them, I cared about them, or I still love and care, like whatever, right? And they're people. If if I was in a if I myself was an abuser, I would love to get some help. <laughs> and what's the old cliche? You know, hurt people hurt people. And so there is yes. some layers, some stuff to unpack, some things to consider. It's not to excuse, it's not to pacify, but it's definitely very something that works to rehabilitate. Like you said, these systems that we have though are supposed to work to do exactly those things. And they fail a lot of times because we don't leave space outside of punishment for growth, for development, for change. And I think we leave change off the table for a lot of people. I know for a fact. You know, and this is, I think, some relationship maturation type shit. But you do start to figure out what abuse. I don't want to air quote it. Abusive things you tend to do that might not necessarily be putting your hands on somebody. I've had to work through and I wish I really, really had help, you know, working through my tendencies to be what I call us. I'm a silent terrorist. I will kill you with silence. 
And what'll throw you off about it is that I am very, I, I'm, I just, I've massive mastered passive aggression, mm. right? So I'll talk to you she about has. what she are we really having? Has. What are we eating? What are we doing? Where are we going? Okay, fine. And I don't have to do any of, but the middle parts, gone. Dominique, Dominique is testifying too hard. But it's because <laughs> it is a place that I go to because it's in response to me feeling shut out or neglected or minimized or like something is not being, you know, so it's, it's shit that I needed to figure out, but that I had to stop doing to other people because it's abusive. Like it's emotionally abusive for me to just be like. Mm. I think this is important. Can you read this one? Oh, yeah, you read it. It's you. Um, Which is it? The, uh, yeah, Snowden. Yeah. Uh, he said, I'm, I am interested to know your thoughts on possibly decriminalizing uh, domestic violence and finding other ways of keeping men accountable, protect women, saving families, and having uh, violence prevention. So that's interesting because um, I think that falls into really knowing yourself, really unpacking different traumas and different feelings that um, you might be going through. And that's hard because you can't really help people who don't want help or who don't know that they need help. Um, and that goes for everyone, not just abusers, just people in general. Um, that's kind of hard. It's, it, it makes me think about how they, for, um, rapists, they created a sex human doll, um, like a child sex human doll to kind of help them with not raping anymore, which to me makes no damn sense. Right. That's practice. I mean, but the same though, of like those methadone centers or safe, you know, drug use centers that allow for people to go and utilize drugs in a more safe, controlled environment that allows for them to control but those. I believe there's drugs. certain things you just can't do that with. <laughs> right, right. And that's, and, and, and I understand the logic that you, that, that, that uh with the safe drug no 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 no. of of like safe places right like of like okay people with issues there are ways to let them work out those issues and places where they can work it out without having like you know they they say cold turkey is not healthy you know i'm saying like it it fails that type of shit so uh when it comes to like drug usage and that type of shit usually something that's self-harming right but the problem with you know dolls or any other type of weird shit like that is it like I said, it's practice. Like you, you can't like you learn you 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 practice and carrying it out on another human being, right? Like that that not that victimless non-violent crimes. That the focus on de- decriminalizing that shit is important because again, like it's not about like if somebody it's not about somebody actually impacting somebody else. It's about what they do into they self. But when you have motherfuckers who like they like what's wrong with them puts people in in danger. The question of decriminalizing that is problematic for me because that's some criminal shit. That's, and, I mean, it's not really corrective. It's more enabling, right? Those types of behaviors that really set people up to to be more boastful and more proactive in the things that they should probably limit in a little bit more. Right. What were you about to say, Mercy? My bad. Or either one of you. Uh, I wanted to ask Mercy though. Um, not, I mean, not to, not to, not to move off of of like uh, that criminalization question. Well, actually, I guess so. Yeah, because. I wanted to ask this um when we talk about the disenchantment right like when you uh because on the question of criminalization it's like some shit like it's criminal like outside of the way that we've been racialized to understand policing and and uh and criminalization there are certain acts like our problem with the uh, leasing apparatus that we deal with is that 
it's the people that are criminalized not the acts themselves so you know you got people who do criminal shit but don't get criminal treatment for it and people who just be regular get treated like criminals but outside of that framing it's certain shit that people do in general regardless of your race that is criminal and there should be some uh type of um incentive against it right and that criminalization does that but when you have a, the apparatus that's so ineffective in terms of helping with that um as somebody who's had to deal with that ineffectiveness that disjointedness that the, the cold nature of uh uh dealing with police and domestic violence issues what is it that you do to not allow you because like you you've taken it to the next level like you're an advocate you're an activist like you out there speaking on it so uh what is it that you do for yourself that allows you to remove like move past the disenchanted nature uh or or, or uh a vibe that you get and actually be like I'm, I'm gonna do more regardless of the this institutional response like what pushes you further when you when you're dealing with resistance from both the uh the abuser and the uh the, the yeah that's a that's a tough one um because it's deep we just do it it's like a yeah. lot of shit we just do you know what i mean but it's it's something there like i you know what like what drives you i think i think in the midst of so i'm on a different level than i was when i started out when i started out i i was always the type of person to like take in energy and take in like whatever feeling it's within the atmosphere um so when dealing with um you know, people who are dealing with abuse and trauma. Um, it's really hard because I honestly find myself getting frustrated a lot when I try to hope and I know that they're probably not going toward the right path. And I think I only get frustrated because I don't want them to like get hurt more. Um, and honestly, like God is what's getting me through. I yeah. here, bro. Like, speak to it. Yeah, it's it's honestly that's just about that's the name Jesus. That's, <laughs> yeah, like that's <laughs> like I I respect what anyone um believes in, but I'm a firm believer in God, and I like always ask like, hey, can I send you a prayer, like something? Because if I can't, I have to accept that I can't always be there for people because sometimes it's too much. You know, mm -hmm. and, and you have to like detach yourself. And I'm honestly still working on that today because mm -hmm. I'm always like trying to like, oh my God, something's about to happen. And it's just like, Mercy, you need to calm down. Like you got to chill because you'll drive yourself literally crazy. Mm -hmm. um, you know what can be the outcome of it. Um, just God and like honestly meditating and, and really, again, knowing yourself. When you know yourself, when you really ground yourself, you feel me? Like, no one can disturb your peace. No one can switch your moods easily. Mm. Like, you're still bodily flesh. You're still human. So it can be something to throw you off. That's fine. But it yeah. should be on a constant basis that something is throwing you off. So if you're dealing with trauma experience, you have to know how to navigate through that and really pivot. Because if not, you can get lost in it. Absolutely. <laughs> For real. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, kind of the, the, the work that we kind of do. Uh, get that vibe like me being in politics uh, studying politics like dealing with trump for the last four years you know what i mean like it, it's a it it created that i mean not you know not to the level of having to deal with an, an, an abuser but uh just understanding that like damn like this is what 
this is what the fuck I pay attention to. Like you got you got people who just kind of go they they whole lives blissfully ignorant uh, yeah. of what's <laughs> going on around them. Um, and then it's like people like like us who look at what's happening in society, look at the shit that happened to us, and then be like, I mean, we we shouldn't. I, I don't want this to happen to nobody else. You know what I mean? And so a, a lot of times, uh, like a lot of shit that I do and what I pay attention to is so that a motherfucker can just call me. And like, shit, if, if, if you need that resource, like that's, you know, I'm here to be the resource for everybody else. And I, I always got respect for people that's willing to put that, um, put on that cape. You know what I'm saying? Like, cause that shit is, is, is tough. It's, it's hard. Like it's like mentally, I mean, it's certain shit you just can't enjoy. It's certain, it's certain things that people be like, damn, do you ever turn it off? And it's like, nah, cause this shit is a part of me. Yep. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a part of me. And I got I got mad respect for that. Um, the next thing that I wanted to unless you had something, go ahead, you can chime in real quick, Toya. Well, no, I was actually gonna start to close it. Uh, did you have another question? Yeah, uh, the 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 second thing I wanted to ask is in terms of um people that's wanting to kind of follow in your footsteps and attach themselves to uh to uh like this type of cause, like being like, look, I mean, whether whether there's somebody who was in a situation and they seen um somebody in in in, in that sim- uh, situation and they're they're hearing the stories and they they're, they're also disenchanted about what's going on what advice do you give those type of people to like be like i right, like look like you can push through this you know what i mean like this there there is something to do you feel I me mean? like how do you speak to uh other people about them being disenchanted when they gotta act when it's something that they have to do so one thing that I like to start with is showing and telling people that you're not by yourself. You're not alone. Like literally, oftentimes when going through abuse and trauma, you feel like you're the only one singled out in that moment going through it for some strange reason. And that's not the case. It's like, unfortunately, there's a few others, a lot others who are actually going through it at the same time. Um, it's so hard because times are changing now. So... And then the age ranges that I used to work with and the age ranges that I'm now working with, it's like everything's so different. But really, really taking time to heal. Don't skip your healing, please. Don't cheat yourself. That is the biggest thing. The moment that you skip your healing, it's like you're going to just find your ways into other relationships and situationships that's not going to be healthy for you and it's just going to take you down a worse path. Um, Be patient with your healing. It's okay to not be okay at times, but try not to get stuck in that because then that forms depression. Um, and it's okay to get help if you seek therapy, even if you know people around you don't, and if you have to keep it silent. Whatever you have to do to make sure that you're okay, you're the top priority. And please understand and know when you're going through something that's not healthy for your mental state your mind body soul and spirit if it's not healthy for you your body will know and it will tell you mm-hmm. and the moment that you know yourself enough you'll know like oh this is not right and you'll be able to pivot away from the danger or from the toxicity that's trying to enter your body it'll it'll be easier for you to then manage to avoid it before it comes in and yeah. affects you you know um and it's definitely not easy and it's like I also want to say this because I feel like there's somebody who may be going through this watching. It's okay if you went through it more than once because I'm an advocate and I went through it more than once. And I advocate for this. 
and I'm the one that gets it firsthand, I always tell myself I get it firsthand like the worst. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I went through it more than once. So it's okay that, you know, like don't blame yourself because it's not your fault. Um, yes, we have poor choices. Yes, we could have thought differently, but that's not, that's victimization thinking. <laughs> that's mm -hmm. victimization conversation. Then trying to like block your ways within healing. You don't have time for anything to try to block your way when you're trying to really get better and heal. You know, so please take your healing seriously and please just be patient with it and get to know God. <laughs> I don't like to be religious, but get to know God, trust in God, man. Like a prayer always works. You feel me? Like you don't even have to get too deep and be religious. I'm not talking about religion at all. Just yeah. get to know the God within you, you know? And y'all really uh, know the official, the official gospel song for the chop up is, he's intentional. I love that song. <laughs> Never failing. But yeah, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. I told, I mean, so, you know, every opportunity I get to sing that song, I sing it. Absolutely. <laughs> him and him and Deacon George, they always come on trying to sing something. Um my 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 biggest thing that I want to say before I start to close it out is about the last bit. You know, Mercy talked about in terms of healing, um, healing and making sure you're good. Right. These are terms and phrases that we just kind of throw around that can be very flippant. Right. What is healing? What is you being good? What is you being OK? And even though I'm, my experience is not necessarily in the context of domestic violence, I want to impress on you that your healing ain't got to look like nobody else's. Your, your conclusions, how you work through stuff don't need to look like nobody else's. Uh, but people, I, I used to really feel bad about myself because I'm like, I haven't cried yet. I haven't, and it's just, it's not my nature. It's not my tendency. And so I was waiting for this really episodic um, movie, you know, as I'm working through my traumas, my issues or whatever, I'm waiting for the breakdown in the rain, where the, like it just, it doesn't happen like that for everybody. So be okay. And if it does happen like that for you, cool. If, if you got to purge and cry and hurt and feel, I always say you can go, but you can't stay. This life is going to send you some places. You're going to want to go and get away for some things in this life. You can go. But my only uh, ask of you is that you not stay. Mm -hmm. That you come on back and join us. Tap back in mm -hmm. after a little while. After you've taken some time to yourself. Because we still got a whole, lot to life to a whole lot of life to live. So go but don't stay. And don't expect your healing. And the things that you go through. And how you come to terms with that. Look like nobody else's. You don't know mm -hmm. what it's supposed to look like. Mm -hmm. The person next to you ain't going to. So if you say, am I healed? And nobody's not. They don't know. Yep. So, you know, don't go into it trying to say this is what this this is supposed to look like. It's going to look different from everybody. You're going to hurt yourself worse than you are now if you approach getting out of the situation, trying to compare and contrast what that path or what that journey looks like, because it's just not going to be the same. Um, no, Lions Time, baby, we're not going to answer your question. You're being ridiculous. You can leave now if you like, but we've been doing a great job at ignoring you. We're going to keep doing <laughs> that starting now. If you're just joining us, though, we're actually moving toward the end of this conversation. We've been talking to Mercy Baez, representing Rebirth of a Woman, LLC, an amazing artist, an amazing talent, a gifted, um, just, just vibe, an advocate, an artist. Mercy, on the way out, spend some time telling people where to find you, how to get a hold of what you're doing, how to link up. Because one of the, my favorite things you said was just about connecting with other people. You're not by yourself. And so, Mercy, tell people how they can start to build some network and some community around these things. Yeah, so I'm most active on Instagram. My Instagram is Lord of Mercy, L-O-R-D-D-A underscore Mercy, M-E-R-C-Y. Uh, my Facebook is Mercy Bias. Put that up real quick, Damo. 
Mercy with two Y's and then Baez, B-A-E-Z on Facebook. Um, on my Instagram, the link in my bio, you'll see the movement, the rebirth of a woman. And you can click on that and it'll direct you to the Instagram page. Um, what, was just, the, uh, what was the Instagram yeah. called one more time just so I can put it up on the screen for the folks? L-O-R-D-D-A underscore Mercy, M-E-R-C-Y. And that's at Instagram. Yes, that's on Instagram. And you guys can just send me a DM. My um, my email address is there and the movements page is in my bio as well so that you can take a look and see everything there. Unless you in her DMs on some messy shit, lions. Oh no, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're not taking them type of DMs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, hey, shout out to Television Debate League, you know what I'm saying, by, by YouTube niggas, like, niggas don't know how to act. On the kudo, make sure y'all connect with Mercy. I know there's a lot of, you know, the arts in general, right? A couple things. One, coronavirus is probably exacerbated or made worse the issues with domestic violence. So there's a lot of people trapped inside, not doing the things that they used to do, being able to get away in the ways that they used to, to be able to survive. The second thing I want to point out is the fact that Mercy does a lot of artistic things and we know artists have uniquely been affected by the Demi. And so they haven't been able to do things like share their art. But when outside officially, because niggas is out there unofficially. And you know, artists are sensitive about their shit too. When it officially opens, <laughs> the artist who could be sensitive about her shit is going to deal with those sensitivities and be ready to show y'all more stuff so you don't want to miss it, right? You don't want to be out of the loop when Mercy starts to do a whole lot more of the outgoing stuff that we've been talking about, a lot of the stuff I've seen on the page. So don't miss it, right? Make sure y'all follow Lord of Mercy on Instagram, L-O-R-D-D-A underscore Mercy on IG, and then uh, that'll start to crumb you, you know, give you some breadcrumbs to everything else you need to follow and get connected to so that you can really know what's up. Um, shoot, we've been vibing and I think this has been a pretty decent conversation in terms of just really putting a spotlight, spotlight on what I said, something that's been normalized in the culture, normalized in the law, and that is domestic violence. We've been talking to Mercy Baez, having a great conversation about all of this, and I really appreciate everybody in the comments that tagged in, Candice, Ethereal Beauty, I see you, Malik, Holding it down. Hope has been in the mix. Uh, Sherry, Deja. Listen, set a fire. I think that's how I say it. Set a fire. It's a motherfucker pronouncing some of these names on the internet, but y'all don't care about people knowing, being able to pronounce people's shit. But set a fire, if that's how it's pronounced. Thank well, you for joining me. I love it. Just just to be clear, y'all, my name, my mama did not name me T-O-Y-U-H. I know that confuses people like it's Toya. <laughs> it's phonetic, y'all. Just like graduation. You know how they had you write your name out phonetically so they wouldn't mess it up? Right, Toya G. My name is T-O-Y-A. Last name is just the letter G if you want to shorten it up. So don't be confused. But I love watching the names that people come up with to identify themselves online because it really speaks a lot to their little personality, to who they are, how they move, how they see Candace Bizzle. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. <laughs> we love y'all. It's been amazing. Um, it's been a good night. Y'all, make sure y'all check the uh, run back of this if you want to listen to it on Spotify, on the Chop Up Show. I'm sorry, on Spotify, on Apple Podcast, on YouTube, on Facebook. Well, not on Facebook. We don't know. Yeah. We don't know. They played us today. I don't know what Facebook was on today, but they played us. Um, but, but make sure if y'all haven't already subscribed to uh, the Chop Up Show on YouTube, subscribe to uh, the Consciously on YouTube, even though that nigga uh, is asleep right now. Getting his rest. Shout out to the boy. Y'all, 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 do me a favor. Do me a favor. Y'all go jump in the last 
unless it's a real serious post. But if it's just like a funny post of George's, go put a bunch of Z's in his comments. Just sleepy ass. <laughs> go fill his comments up with Z. Go, hey. go, go do it. The consciously go to just a couple yeah. of pictures. Just hey, go put listen, some Z's on that nigga. No matter if you do it on TikTok, Instagram, wherever. If you follow consciously, just put some Z's on his shit. You know what I'm saying? Put some yeah. Z's. Let us know. We know you sleep. <laughs> <laughs> shit. But it's been real. Glad that y'all was able to be a part of this, you know what I'm saying, wonderful conversation because it's always, like you said, we, we want to shape conversations. We don't want to just be reactionary. And I want to thank uh, the sister for giving us this, you know what I mean, insight. Yeah. These are, these are more conversations that need to be had. So uh been a great show. Mercy, thank you again. And, thank you um, so much. It's been an pleasure such a pleasure thank y'all all for tuning in and for enjoying the conversation with us yes man we know it's late over there so we're gonna go ahead and get her out of here so she can go to sleep she on the east coast it's still early for us here on the west coast and we outside y'all be easy y'all know how we gotta leave just the same way we came in Let's get it. Me, my guys, we really lie. Lord, forgive me, pay my ties. Please don't have me reach inside. And that's in a console. Keep the semi when I ride. Let off Henny when I drive. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me. And you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.